Welcome to another edition of Changing Gear with myself, Father Brian, a.k.a. Ndabaningi. It's a beautiful Friday afternoon. We're coming to you all the way from Edenville, from the city of Ekuruleni. And as per custom and per tradition, today is Friday. We're going to be profiling people that make us proud, people that uh, we, we, we're proud to be associated with. And I'm joined in studio this afternoon by a young man. He's a medical doctor. He is um, one of those young black people that have defied the odds of life. Despite the obstacles that life has thrown unto him, he's managed to conquer them. He's managed to rise above the circumstances that he found himself in. So if you're stuck in traffic, take it easy. Do not drive and and eat. <laughs> Yes, I said eat, and uh, we would like to respect other road users. Do not drive and text, and do not drive and be on your phone. We are going to be changing gears for the next one and a half hours, and we're going to be celebrating and profiling a young man. And uh, we ask you to invite your friends uh, to tune in to Radio Veritas, and uh, it's that time of the day where you tell your friend, uh, you send them a WhatsApp, or you actually call them and say, Ufa, the Mfundi Sotuma is on A, and uh, you do not want to miss this segment. I'm going to be in conversation this afternoon with Dr. Stembele Makas, who is um, a creative writer. He is a medical practitioner himself. He is currently studying and furthering his study, studies as a registrar at uh, one of our local universities here in Johannesburg. And we're going to be catching up with him and we're going to understand what has made him defy all those odds and what has made him not become one of the statistics that we often read about in our country. And uh, joining me in the studio is Dr. Stembele. Dr. Stembele, good afternoon. Welcome. Good afternoon. You look so shy. You look, sound very shy. Yeah. <laughs> is this your first time on radio? Well, it's my second time actually here. Is the it? other time I was on Dr. Emil's show. Oh, okay. But that was years back. Years back. Yeah. And uh, you come back to us as a doctor. Yes. How did you end up becoming a doctor? <sighs> it wasn't really my first choice. I was more into arts when I was in school, but uh, my grandmother's very like strict about having an orthodox like, mm-hmm. degree, mm-hmm. either in medicine or engineering or accounting. Mm-hmm. And I was bright in school, so my teachers also endorsed that. So I remember when I was in matric, we went to an expo in Nazareth, mm-hmm. like a career expo, and I had like my, I was very interested in other, other visual art or designing. Mm-hmm. So I had my portfolio there, there was a, there was a London School of Fashion there, then I showed them my portfolio and then we, did, we talked, I applied for their scholarship and I got it. Mm-hmm. Then I told my teacher first before I told my grandmother. <laughs> my teacher called my grandmother like, there is no way mm-hmm. that he's going to do fashion, fashion, design or any form of art. Art is like, well, most of the elderly people think art is a poor man's profession. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother's like, there is no way. It's either you're going to go be a doctor, be a policeman, like anything that's orthodox, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, that's how that dream died. And then I studied um, engineering at Vits yeah. first year. Yeah. Just chemical engineering. I passed. At the, there was a prize giving for the f- top fifteen percent of the university. Mm-hmm. And then I just decided that I don't see myself wearing like an overall yeah. going to a plant. That's what I thought engineering was. Yeah. In, at the time, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm, there's no way. So I spoke to my to my my sponsors who then connected me with another private sponsor who wanted people who wanted, wanted to study medicine, but they were more, uh, they were trying to get a B accreditation, so they looked for a young black 
person and, and I was just the, the correct candidate. So I got a scholarship. So they got BE accreditation by sponsoring a Yeah, so child. basically they pay for, it's like um, Department of Race Relations. Yes. So they are, they work under them. Yeah. So they give to under like... Um, privileged. Yeah, underprivileged students who want to study, to further their studies. So that's how I got into the program. Then I applied for University of Pretoria, then I got it, then I went to Pretoria. So you then changed universities? Yeah, because I don't know... I, I was also, I didn't want to see my classmates in second year and I'm still in first year studying something different. I was like, okay, let me change university. Let me go to Pretoria, mm -hmm. which was the best decision actually. Why? I, I don't know. I, there's, the, there's an air about Pretoria when, with regards to studying. There's less distractions than, than I had when I was in, in Johannesburg. Where were you studying when you were in Johannesburg? In Advets. Okay. Yeah, the whole Bram environment, it's very distracting if you're someone who's not really focused. You need to have like a very strong will to really focus on your studies when you're in Joburg, which I did because I was, I was a late bloomer, so I wasn't really into the drinking, going out type of thing because mm -hmm. my grandmother is very strict. So when I moved to Pretoria, it, that, the whole environment is Pretoria also just endorses you to study and they're very strict around class attendance, tat attendance. You can't just miss a, miss a class for a whole week and nobody knows where you were. So we used to sign when you come to class and they used to really check. So they, they had like, that um, military way of, of teaching in Pretoria, which I really enjoyed because it has you know, shaped me to the person I am today. You mentioned a lot your grandmother. Mm. Take me back to your background. What kind of a household did you grow up in? Well, Who uh, was there? Okay, um, I grew up in Soweto in Dobsonville. Um, I was raised by my grandmother. My mom was busy with trying to carve her way in the world, so she wasn't ready to raise a child. So my grandmother took over the reins. My dad had died, died when I was six. He was a teacher as well. He was uh, teaching um, actuary at VETS. That's how I got my bursary uh, to study engineering. So um, then I was raised by my grandmother. It was a very strict household, but I like I owe everything that I am now to her. Is your grandmother still alive? No, she died in 2007. Yeah, my condolences. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, everything that I am today was shaped by her. She was, she basically was not working at the time she took over raising me and my younger brother but then she found she was working two jobs it was very difficult i never really had much of a childhood because obviously i had to take care of my younger brother fetching him from crutch making sure like I'm, i don't become naughty you know so because i don't I, like i had to how can i put it i had to like grow up very quickly because i didn't want to overwhelm my grandmother she was already elderly when she took over raising me and my brother so you know i couldn't be like naughty like other kids. I had to be a bit more responsible. I, I needed to be able to come back from school, make sure at a certain time I go fetch my brother. At a certain time of the, when, when it become dark, I can't just forget, oh, I need to go, I need to go back home. When I come back from school, I need to make sure my brother ate, you know, wash my shirt and my socks, exactly. you know, that type of thing. So basically my, my, upbring, my upbringing was not, was, was great, but I never really much had a childhood. Hence it created the whole, I'm very, how can I put it, like type A, very OCD about everything because I had to be like that when I was young. You see, I had to remember certain times to do certain things because my grandmother was working two jobs just so that me and my brother can have a decent education. What do you remember uh, as some of the most important values that were <coughs> instilled in you in that household? Um, education. That was like number one. My grandmother preached it day in, day out. Education, education, education. I couldn't see, oh, maybe like I could say we were middle class, we were not like we didn't live in abstract poverty. But obviously we had challenges like any black family growing up in the township. 
So um, my grandmother was like, you see how the lifestyle we're living. I don't want you to live that lifestyle. And the thing is, on weekends, sometimes I used to go and help her. At her she was a domestic worker. Mm -hmm. So I was exposed to that kind of lifestyle. So she basically taught me how to aspire for better, you know. So when I used to see, like, that's the, like, that's the house I want you to live in. That's the kind of lifestyle I want you to have, you see. So when I grew up, I, I knew that I cannot make decisions that are going to allow me to be in the same situation as I found myself in when I was born. I need to aspire for better, do better, think better, make better choices. You see, even sometimes when, you know, doing the wrong thing is easy and doing the right thing is mostly difficult because sometimes it's, it's, it's actually nice to do the wrong thing. But like, um, my grandmother told me like, you know what, every single time, even if you're faced with something, even if, even if like a whole horde of people are choosing to go left and you know the right way is right, you need to go right. You see, they might not, you know, it might, it might make you the least popular person, but you need to do the right thing all the time. So take me back to your dreams then. Mm. You're in this household with your grandmother and your young brother. Mm. What dreams did you have? Well, most my dreams at, at a young age, didn't, medicine was not uh, in my dream. Like, I didn't even want to do anything orthodox. I never aspired to be a lawyer or an engineer. For me, it was like art and fashion. Yes, I read a lot of books. Like, I thought maybe if I were to go study towards a degree, I'd do something like creative writing, which is something I'm trying to get into now. Medicine was not even, I, like, I didn't even know that I, I had the, 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 the gut for seeing blood, you know, all those things. I, I, I never even thought, because I was very shy growing up, so I, I never thought I was a, someone who could speak to people every single day, you know. Because, you know, in medicine, you basically have a front seat to everybody's secrets. So they tell you everything. It's, a, it's very overwhelming, but basically you sit and you have to converse with people on a daily basis. Because sometimes a lot of patients come to the hospital not because they are, they are physically sick. There's something else going on at home and you find that they're their, their symptoms are manifested by their psychological problems. problems yeah. Well, in case you've just tuned in, it is Radio Veritas 576AM. It's that station that gives you the good news and the good music for a change. We are chilling in studio with Dr. Stembele Mukhalis, and we are celebrating him for being the powerhouse that he is. Do not touch that dial.